Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it is the day that Christ the Lord is risen. Amen. I want to welcome you this morning to worship with us. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come to worship.
Thank you. Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. If you would turn in your hymnals, please, to hymn number 194, Christ the Lord is risen today. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing 194. Switch sides on you, we messed you up, didn't we? Wow, I'm telling you, we need to have an Easter parade every Sunday. Everybody is so dressed up, and you know what? I actually believe you got your colors coordinated. Hello, Ledger. Hi. You know Ledger? All right, I want to tell you a story. It's very, that we've listened to many times, but you need to watch me. Okay, come here. There you go, good guy. All right, now, I want you to look at what I've got and listen to my story very carefully, okay? All right. Do I like pink? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Let's look. Okay, well, let's wait till we get through with our colors and then we'll go, okay? All right, inside Miss Ellen's egg, she has what was two pretzels, but now it's one and a half. And what have I made? A cross. The cross. Who dies on the cross? Jesus. 
Jesus did. Not Je God. No, not God, Jesus. Okay, he died on the cross for who? The people. The people, he did. But he died on the cross for us, people. Very important, everybody here. All right, then... Okay, wait a minute. All right, then... This is yellow, but this is Jesus's blood. Not really, okay, Georgia? Not really. But this is what he shed for us when we put him on the cross. It's raisins, uh, yes, it's raisins. But we didn't want to put anything else in here this time, okay? So this is what happened when we put Jesus on the cross. He died and he shed his blood for us. Then, what happened next? Sit down. Alive. Not yet. Not yet. What did we do with our bread last week? What did we make? What did we, when we rolled him up? And then, what did we do with the rock? We closed him in a tomb, and we rolled it away. And was he in there? Then he melted, yes. Our marshmallows melted last week, but was Jesus in the tomb? Yeah. No, Jesus was... The, he did, yes, he did. All right, then after he went away, he asked us to be fishers of men. Can you be a fisher? It's goldfish, yes, it's goldfish. But it's going to be your fish. You are God's fishers of men. No, we're not going to eat it. No, we're not going to eat it. Okay, after Jesus asked us to be fishers of men, he, what did Jesus, what did God do with Jesus? He said, I forgive you of all the bad things that you do, and I washed away your sins, and I made you pure and white. That's a jelly bean. Yep, that is a white jelly bean. You got it. But through all of this, because Jesus, because Jesus did all this stuff for us, because he died on the cross, he makes our life sweet. No, it's not Skittles, but it could, it's M&M's, but it's resent, it's going to tell you that because Jesus died, raised up, and came back, he makes our life sweet because he always takes care of us, doesn't he? He always makes sure that we are happy and safe. And so on this Easter, we are all happy and safe, aren't we? Jesus is our friend, Jesus is in our heart, and we always remember that, won't we? Yeah. All right, can we fold our hands? We don't, have to close. we don't have to close our eyes, no, we don't. Okay. Dear Lord, what joy there is in the gathering of these hearts. What joy there is in the excitement of learning and walking with you, Lord. These children are your children, Lord, full of life, full of joy. Thank you for them, Lord. Keep them safe, protect them, and continue to walk with them every day. Amen. this morning. If you are a member, welcome. If you are a guest, welcome. If you are here from out of town, welcome. If you are here from another country, which I know we have some here this morning, welcome as well. We are glad you're here. And uh, Ellen certainly has her hands full. Whoever's in nursery have their hands full this morning. But thank you, Ellen. This next Sunday, we have something that I want to let especially a lot of our new people know about. Uh, next Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour, so at 945 in our fellowship hall, we have something called Starting Point. And if you have been coming and visiting with Bowling Springs Baptist, whether it's for several months or this is your first Sunday, if you would like to meet our staff and learn a little bit more about who we are, 
uh, we would welcome you to come and join us in the fellowship hall at 945 next Sunday. We'll have some donuts and juice and some biscuits and other things as well. And so we would be delighted to have you there. And it'll be an informal time for us to just talk and get to know one another and for you to learn more about the church. Also, this year in night, well, excuse me, in 1969, 50 years ago uh, from this year, Bowling Springs Baptist Church was currently meeting on Main Street up on the campus of Gardner-Webb University. Plans were being finalized here on this campus and buildings and structures were, go were going up for the sanctuary and our educational space. And in the fall of 1969, the congregation walked out of the door from its current sanctuary to the doors down the street and to the doors of this sanctuary that you and I sit in this morning. This fall, in 2019, we will commemorate and celebrate 50 years of worship in this sanctuary and educational space. There is a note in your bulletin this morning about a special time that we're having next Sunday evening at five o'clock in the fellowship hall. This will be a time for conversation. For many of you uh, present this morning, you were a part of that walk that took place. Some of you were in strollers, some of you were children and youth, some uh, were adults, and you remember that time when we walked from, or when you walked from the uh, old sanctuary to, the, to what is now your, you know, to the new sanctuary. So we want to hear positive stories, not only about that walk, but we want to hear stories from many of you, even if you've only been here a short time at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, about how this church has impacted you and how it has helped you in your spiritual growth. Uh, some positive stories about worship, discipleship, missions, service in some way. And so come, we'll have ice cream, and that'll be next Sunday night at five o'clock. So please mark your calendar and plan on being there for that. I want to uh, thank our 50th anniversary planning team. They have been hard at work already for months now and plans are being made to make this a very special day. All the former ministers and staff members of the church, as well as anybody that has been a, a significant part of this church in the past is receiving a special invitation. And it will be a wonderful day this year, September the 8th. So I wanted to make sure to mention that on this special day that we're celebrating today. Before I pray, let me mention that we have several that need our prayers at this hour. Let's uh, continue to remember the Washburn family, the family of Billy Washburn. Billy passed away a couple days ago and her service will be here in the sanctuary tomorrow at two o'clock with the receiving of, of friends to follow in our LEC. And again, that's uh, the funeral service for Billy Washburn. Let's also continue to remember Cheryl Daves and the passing of her mom. And then Charlotte Tilly had foot, a significant foot, foot surgery in the last week, and we want to continue to remember her. She still remains in Charlotte at this hour, but hopefully on Monday we'll be coming uh, either to White Oak or to a facility here in Shelby for rehab. We have others this morning who are going through significant uh, times in your life physically, and we certainly want to remember those as well. And we certainly, as we gather here today and uh, think about... Um, the celebration of this day being Easter, we certainly want to remember many in our community as well who do not have a church home and who um, need a relationship with Jesus. And so let's remember them. Will you now pray with me? Christ, our risen Savior, we gather here in this place today to bring honor and glory to your name. Your name is above all other names, and we gather here to exalt the name of Jesus Christ today. Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. Sure, we come with some kids having received baskets this morning and new clothes. And Father, all these things are nice and enjoyable. But Lord, we desire to worship you. And Lord, we desire to be changed by you today. So Father, speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to. Challenge us in ways that we need to be challenged. Father, help us to extend love and kindness to others who are here this morning and just simply need to know that someone cares. Father, bless our songs, our prayers, the reading of your word and the preaching of it this morning. We do lift up those within our congregation that are struggling physically. For those in need of your healing touch, Father, we do pray that you would heal and that you would bless. For those that need comfort, for those that um, are undergoing grief at this hour, for the Washburns, for the Dave's family, Lord, for others. Father, we're certainly mindful of those who maybe aren't with us this Easter as well. And for those who are having a difficult time, Lord, we do pray for your comfort this morning. Challenge us, Lord, as we hear your word, as we celebrate the risen Savior, may the message of the resurrection, Lord, transform us. And may it not only transform us, but as it does, Lord, may we be a stronger vessel of your presence within our community and within our world. 
who desperately needs to hear the good news that we celebrate this morning. Father, we love you. We commit this time to you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our hymn is number 207, Low in the Grave He Lay. 207, if you are able, please stand and join in singing. today throughout the world who are worshiping just as we are, many who would desire to worship but are not afforded that opportunity. Let us join together in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have as Christian believers to come together, to join together in worship, adoration, and praise of you. We thank you for the significance of this Sunday, of this time. And we pray, our Father, that the power of the resurrected Christ will live in and through us. And may everything that we do and say here be honor and glory unto you. We thank you for the privilege we have to be good stewards over that which you have given to us and entrusted to us. And may that same power of resurrection live in and through us that we may be capable and honorable stewards of all you've blessed us with. Bless each gift and each tithe and offering that is given and may it further your kingdom and bring glory and honor unto you. For it is in your name we pray, amen.
Before I read scripture this morning, I want to take a moment to thank a few people. Um, the first of which is Candy, Roger, Dick, and Mark, and all of our musicians. Cheryl, she's not here this morning, but all of our musicians that spend many hours prior to Sundays uh, in practice and our choir as well. Thank you for leading us well over the last several months and with the cantata and with special services on Thursday night. Uh, musicians and choir, please know that I appreciate all that you offer to our services. Also, Ellen thanked uh, many of uh, those who helped do the flowers, but I want to thank Roger and Ellen specifically for all they do uh, to not only adorn our sanctuary, but the many things that they do here. But they had a crew in here this week working hard uh, to prepare the windows and, and the sanctuary and all that you, and all that you see. Uh, I have to take an extra allergy pill, as you might imagine, standing up here with all of these this morning, uh, but I very much appreciate um, all that they do. Also, our men this morning, I said I wanted to get in a few thank yous, right? Uh, our men this morning gathered at 5.30 to begin preparations to feed about 100 people for our pancake breakfast. So men, thank you for all of those who came early and set up and cooked and cleaned and did everything for that. I also want to thank Betsy and Heidi. In this season of the church year, uh, the office has a little more work than normal with extra bulletins and, and daylily orders and, and all of these things. And so... Um, Betsy and Heidi, thank you for all that you do. And Alan is not here this morning. Alan is sick. He had the flu as of two or three days ago. It was a new strand of flu, and he's had a fever for a few days, and it just broke yesterday, so he thought it would be best if he was not here, as well as I, this morning, uh, and many of you, maybe. But I want to thank Alan and Miles and the crew of men who helped feed many of you over the last few days, and maybe even today with the Boston Butts and the fundraisers for our youth. There are so many things that are happening here at the church as a whole, and I just want you to know as your pastor that I appreciate all that you do. I think of our Sunday school leaders and our deacons, our committee members. Many of you serve in so many ways food, through the food pantry. And so please know that I am grateful for your willingness to serve and offer your uh, talents and gifts to the Lord in the ways that you do. So thank you. Now, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. I'll also be reading later, this is not on the screens, they don't know this, but I'll be reading a few passages from Matthew chapter 28, a few verses there. But Luke 24, I, you can have a pew Bible there, maybe, hopefully you bought your Bible, uh, or you can use your device that you have this morning. The words will be on the screen, and I invite you um, to uh, pay, pay careful attention as we read through uh, Luke 24, and I have the words here that, that you have on the screen. So this is Luke's account of the resurrection. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find body. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. And now I'll be reading Matthew 28, verses 5 through 8. Listen to these words. Part of Matthew's account of the resurrection. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Testimony is always an important part 
of the resurrection. God, I pray that you would bless the reading in the, of your word and the preaching of it this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. For weeks we have been moving with Jesus on his journey to the cross and on his journey to Jerusalem. We have moved to uh, the uh, the upper room on Thursday night, we move through the trial, we move through the crucifixion and into the tomb. And now for the Christian, what is the essential, what is the central part of our faith? This morning we celebrate the empty tomb. We celebrate a risen savior this morning. This is our hope, this is our story. For the Christians, we are resurrection people. The Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities had concluded that this Jesus movement had to stop. So they arrested him, they crucified him, and they laid him in a tomb. They even put guards outside the tomb so that there would be nothing that the people would not steal his body and say that he resurrected. And so everything's done, right? No, we know that's not the case. What they didn't know is that even death could not stop Jesus, who was God on the move among us. The women we read about had arrived at the, at, the, at the tomb and the stone had been rolled away and the grief and the sympathy that they had on Friday as they watched Jesus. And the scripture tells us in many of the gospel accounts that they followed Jesus every step of the way. They were there when he was being arrested. They, was there, they were there when he was crucified and they were there when they went to the tomb and began to, to initially prepare his body for burial. So they come back on the day after the Sabbath. They rested. They, came, they come back on the day after the Sabbath to do the final preparations but instead they found a savior who could not be contained to one location. They found an empty tomb. God is on the move. This morning, the way I've chosen to go about our sermon time this morning is to look at two things, and that's the what and the why of the resurrection. The what deals with the details, and so we're going to look and go back through what we've just read a little bit. It's important to know the details. Many of you have been in church most of your life. Some of you, this story may be new, and so it's important to talk about the details and what exactly happened. A few verses before the chapter that I read, Luke 24, beginning at verse 53 of chapter 23, says this. Talking about Joseph of Arimathea, he took the body down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. It was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes and on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. I wanna take just a moment here at the beginning and set the stage of the significance of the women who arrived at the tomb. Many of you have heard that, you know that, but uh, you may not remember that back in Luke chapter eight in verses one through three, Luke writes these words. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another. Again, God on the move. Proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, the 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support of their, uh, from their private means. So these women, on the morning that these women that had walked with Jesus, many of them, as much as the disciples have, walked with Jesus and been with Jesus, heard Jesus, seen Jesus do the miracles that he did. These women now bring the spices to prepare Jesus' body for his final burial. And most likely in the first century, from what I know and understand and have read, it was typically the women that did this, that would, that would prepare the, bo the body. So as other people became, become uh, to pay their respects, they would not have uh, the odor that could be there. So these women were significant during this time. They go expecting a dead Jesus, not an empty tomb. Women who first testify about the resurrection, if you would notice in verse 10 of chapter 24, where we just uh, were, when uh, now there was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, they were telling these things to the apostles. And in the very next verse, though, tells us that these words appeared as nonsense. 
In the New Revised Standard, it says these words appeared as an idle tale, or in some translations, it will say foolishness for two reasons. One, the message is coming through women, and so it just, they didn't believe it in the first century. Secondly, is they didn't remember what Jesus had said, that he, would, that he would die, that he would be buried, and that he would rise again. And so this idea of someone returning to life to many, now some who followed Jesus closely and remembered, uh, there were a few, but to most at the time, they did not remember that Jesus said this about himself. So in uh, verse, verses three through five of 24, we find the words that um, we remember why the, the angels in the tomb, it says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. The temptation then is now is to cling to what we know. In this case, for many at this time, it was death. Instead of entering into what we do not know, resurrection. I don't want to finish the sermon now, but resurrection can often be dangerous. When we begin to take the message of Christ seriously, when Christ begins to invade us and and, um, we allow his spirit to move in us, it will lead us out and away from the comfortable and the predictable and out into the dangerous and to the unknown. In verses 6 through 8 of chapter 24, we find for the third time in the Passion story the word remember. Maybe it's there some more, but for some reason it's hitting me more this year than ever before. But we we heard Jesus in the upper room say to the disciples, when you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, remember me. We heard it from the thief on the cross when he said to Jesus in his final hours, and his final breath, his final seconds, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We see it mentioned here again in in chapter 24 and verse 6, he is not here, but he has risen. Remember, Again, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they, and it says here, remembered his words. They remembered his words. Resurrection is made real in both the proclamation and the remembering of Jesus' life. The remembering theme is present in these many situations. And one of the things that we are remembering, we are remembering the the, the testimony, we're remembering the proclamation of Jesus, we're remembering the things that he said and the things that he did. And as Easter, as resurrection itself, we think, I thought about this, many of us go on trips, some of you have recently gone on trips in our church family, some of you are getting ready to go on trips. But when we do that, uh, I don't know for a fact, Proof. People want proof of resurrection. I don't know for proof that you went on that trip. I didn't go to your home and see that you weren't there day after day after day or that your car wasn't there or that I didn't, didn't look at your plane tickets or your travel passes or whatever you may have shown me to prove to me or pictures of you being somewhere that you went there. But I know that you went there because of your testimony. You were proclaiming, you were talking about where you went and what you did. You may show me pictures, which certainly help prove, but I believe that you went there because I can see it in your face. I can sense it when we speak. You went to and did what you said you did. And so therefore, your testimony speaks loudly for what you're telling me that you did. These disciples, both the women and the men, proclaim what they saw and heard and remembered. In what ways have you proclaimed when you have witnessed resurrection, when you've experienced forgiveness when you didn't deserve it or you didn't earn it, when you've been given gifts and accolades and and kind words when you know that you're undeserving of those, when you see other people doing things for someone else and you're asking, why would they do that for them? So when we see resurrection, are we speaking, are we talking, and are we seeing resurrection not only in our own lives, but in the community of those to whom we have fellowship as well? In what ways have you heard the good news when you least expected it? And to use that word remember again, how do you remember Jesus' teachings and life? And what will you proclaim when given the opportunity? Resurrection can turn our world upside down. Like I said, church, when we begin to take the life of Christ seriously, when he does something in us, when he moves us, when he comes, when his spirit comes alive inside of us, it takes us outside of the predictable. It takes us outside of the unknown. Resurrection can turn my world and your world and our church upside down if we proclaim it, if we take it seriously. 
Uh, theologian and minister Anna Carter Florence says, if the dead don't stay dead, what can you count on? She was saying this as a part of God and the resurrection, Jesus turning the world upside down. Just when evil thinks they've stopped, just when evil, excuse me, just when evil thinks they've stopped them, he's on to a new location. Speaking of Jesus, it's no accident that in Luke's gospel, the very next story after our text today speaks of Jesus walking with uh, two, maybe more, on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus' identity wasn't immediately known as Jesus walked with them, but it was only until Jesus spoke Mary's name that his identity was revealed. And I love this. For the last several weeks, two or three months, we've been talking about God is on the move from one location to the next, but he's also on the move in our hearts and in our lives as well. In the very next story, after the resurrection, people are walking down the road to Emmaus, and Christ is walking and is moving with them. We may not always sense and feel God's presence amid our daily lives, but church, know this. If we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us that I am with you yesterday. I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that I am with you. And the scripture talks about the fact numerous times that God's presence is alive and well in us. And so if that's the case, he desires and he is moving in you. Sometimes we're aware of how he's moving and what he's doing, and other times we are not. But God is on the move. So we've looked today at a few of the what's about the, the resurrection. There's more we could talk about, about the angels and the earthquake and how it rolled the stone away. And there's more facts that I could give you and you can read on your own. But as we move forward this morning, the question is, what about the why? The resurrection answers some big why questions about life. And I want to propose three of those to you this morning. Number one, it deals with something that we looked at for the entire month of February. But the resurrection helps answer the question, who am I? It helps us deal with our identity. We talked in February about how we as individuals are searching for our identity. And our identity, hopefully as Christians, should be found in Christ. It should be found in the resurrection. We also talked about how today churches are seeking to find their identity. Who are we? Who has God created us and made us to be at this time in history? And who does he want us to be? What is our identity as a church as we move forward? And those are some good conversations that this church needs to have and will have, I think, in the coming days and weeks. But we also know of schools, uh, Gardner-Webb University. We know of healthcare systems. We know of other large entities or institutions within our country, within our world today, that are also asking the same questions. Who am I? Who are we? Because everything we see and know and experience and hear in our world today, there seems to be nothing that's solid. There seems to be nothing that's concrete. But, but church, as Christians today, let me tell you something, we have good news. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. He doesn't change. Everything is changing around us. I noticed in the mirror the last few days that there's some things changing up here that are growing a little bit wider. Um, my back hurts a little more than it used to. There's things about me that are changing, things about you that are changing. Our culture, our environment is changing. But I'm grateful, church, that we serve a God that doesn't change. Humans need no longer wonder who we or who they are. We now realize that we have been created in the image of God, that he loves us, that he's called us out, that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, and that we can find our identity in him. Resurrection can help us in dealing with our identity. And why can it do that? Because resurrection also gives us purpose to life. It also answers the question, not only who am I, but why am I alive? Why am I alive? I love the little verse in John that says, in John uh, 18, 37, Jesus said when he was talking to Pilate there in his trial, I don't know if this was the first time he was before Pilate, you know, he was, went to Pilate, then he went to Herod, then he came back to Pilate, and Pilate asked him, he says, are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? Say that you are the king. And Jesus says these words, in the New King James, I love the one word that I find in that translation that I don't find in any of the others. He says, it is for this cause that I was born, and it is for this cause that I have come into the world. Jesus gives us a sense of identity. The resurrection of our Savior gives us a sense of identity that we otherwise could not have in the midst of all the change that is happening around us every day. But not only does he give us a sense of identity, he gives us a sense of purpose. 
Jesus uh, embodied that better than anyone on this earth that has ever lived. He said, it is for this cause that I was born. It's for this cause that I live. It's for this cause that he will die. And church, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is that cause that should embody our life. It is that cause that should fill our lives with purpose and with meaning and with hope. Amid the world that we live in with all the unanswered questions that people have about the violence within our world and the the unjust wars and just the unjustness that permeates our society, we can have confidence in knowing who we are in Christ and knowing the purpose that God has for our lives. We can know the reason that we've been created, to love God and enjoy him forever. We not only know who we are, but we know why we are here. Again, testimony to the resurrection is right up there with the resurrection itself. We're gonna close in just a few more minutes with some verses that again speak of that. We've read some already. But just as important as the resurrection for us now is the testimony about the resurrection. Not only verbally testifying about it, but allowing that resurrection to come forth in our lives, to be lived out in our words, in our countenance, in our actions, in the way that we treat and relate to people, some of which we do not like, some of which we do not hold the same views and thoughts that they do. But yet as Christian people, as people who have been permeated with our identity in Christ, permeated with this sense of purpose that he's given us, God has called us to rise above. He's called us to to get along and to work together with people who we don't see eye to eye with. That's something that our world has a hard time doing today. Matthew 28, again, verse seven and eight. Come see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. Again, testimony. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly and ran to tell the other disciples. The last point that I wanted to make in reference to the why not only deals with our sense of identity, our sense of purpose, but it also asks the question, what will happen to me when I die? At last, the resurrection deals with our destiny as people of God. It tells us we will live forever when we die. We know that this life is not all there is. We are frail. As I look around the congregation, I can see and know many of you who have lost loved ones in the last uh, several months or years. And we know that better than anyone. Death has has been um, uh, too frequent of a companion here for Bowling Springs Baptist, especially in 2018. And we know that better than anyone. But we also know that we have a hope for eternity in the presence of God as a believer in Jesus Christ. The grave has no ultimate terror for us because we know there is a better existence beyond this life. Belief in Jesus gives us a destiny to which we look forward to. As I referenced the verse about in um, John, in the New King James, it was John 18, 37, where Jesus said, it is for this cause that I was born, for this cause that I now come to die. As we begin to think about the significance of the why for us, for the Christians, for the church of Jesus Christ today. I'm drawn to Paul's words in Colossians chapter one, beginning at verse 13. And I'm gonna just just read, you can look this up and follow along, but just listen to Paul's summary of Christ and why he came. And let this be one of the reasons, one of the major things that we take away from our time together today. Why did Jesus Christ die? Why did he rise again? From the grave. Listen to Paul's words in, in Colossians 1, beginning at verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. The one that we find our identity in is the one that made everything that you and I see. I think we should listen to him. I think we should observe his life and what he did and what he said. He is, in verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place, preeminence in everything. Verse 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of God to dwell in him. Emmanuel, God 
with us. God on the move in the flesh and body of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. I love also Paul's words in 1 Corinthians where it now says there as well, it references reconciliation, but it says there in 1 Corinthians 5, I believe it is, that we are now ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors, if you will, of reconciliation. God, through Jesus Christ, has reconciled you and me to the Father through his life, his death, and now his resurrection. People, church, that is good news. Verse 21 Two more verses here. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now, again, reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. You know that destiny that we just talked about? Where are we going to go when we die? As Paul reminds us again, he kind of sums up the theology, if you will, behind the cross and behind the resurrection. He says, again, last verse, he says, yet he has now reconciled to you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before, before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Brett Younger, a professor, writes, he says, God is calling his church to let go of old habits, judgments, and prejudices. Stop expecting others to conform to a particular way of doing things and give up the evil speech that kills congregations. God is calling us as a church, Bowling Springs Baptist Church, to pray honestly and passionately. He's leading us to open up the Bible and ask hard questions. He's calling us and asking us to admit our differences and to listen to one another. He's inviting us and calling us to be his presence amid all the strife and the division that we are surrounded by in our society and in our world. And God, God is pleading with us to welcome those different from us, to have warm hearts and open minds and adventurous spirits when it comes to God and his work in and through us. The resurrection is good news, like I said, but as we internalize its message of hope, it's not always easy news to live out. We are called to love people, again, that we would rather not love. We are called to serve and we are called to love. We're called to forgive when bitterness and anger and resentment would be much easier to hold in. God is calling each of us to live out this difficult resurrection. Yes, God fills us with his spirit. Yes, he gives us abundant life, but the life that he calls us to is not always easy. I want to close today with three challenges. And I want you to see which of these three you may find appropriate or fitting for your life this morning. The one is, I ask you the question, has God been on, ever been on the move in your life? Has there ever been a time when you've confessed your sin to God, you've asked him to come into your life and change you from this moment forward and to make you a new creation? Has God ever been on the move in your life that has led you to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to begin that new life and that new relationship with him? The second challenge, maybe you're here today and you're a believer, but God hasn't been moving in you for some time. Would you be willing to say once again, God, I'm yours and I confess my sins and I once again give you control of my, I've been at the steering wheel. I referenced Carrie Underwood last year, Jesus, you know, last week, Jesus take the wheel, you know, would, would you be willing once again, as you did maybe some time ago, to say, Jesus, I've been, my hands have been on the wheel far too long after I gave my life to you. And once again, I want to take them off the wheel and I want to give, it, give this life back to you. I want you to come in. I want you to take over. I know what I'm praying, God, and I know it's risky. And I know you may call me to do things and say things and serve in ways that maybe are a little bit uncomfortable. But God, I need to take my hands off the wheel and I need to give them back to you. And the last challenge I have for you this morning, church, is maybe you're doing well in your faith. Maybe you're growing and maybe God is, is teaching you new things and um, maybe things are, are going along okay. I ask you now or challenge you, will you follow the example of the women and the disciples that we've read about in numerous texts this morning and in this Passion Week of looking at the scriptures who don't take the message of Jesus in the empty tomb and just go on home and go about their lives, but they go and tell. 
The women told the disciples. The disciples tell others. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that at one point over 500 people were giving uh, testimony about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So do you know him? And if you do, how, how, how are things now? If things are good now, will you and I follow the examples of these women and these disciples? God was on the move in them because of what they have seen and because of what they witnessed, because of the truth that was in front of them. And they were telling everybody and anybody that they could see. And you know what? It changed their lives and it changed the lives of all who heard the message of Christ and, his, and the resurrection. Pray with me. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that um, amid all the hype and the, the, the excitement about Easter and Easter baskets and clothes and uh, music and, um, Lord, uh, the, the central and most essential message of this day is that you have reconciled us to the Father. The veil in the temple has been torn in two and we now have direct access to the very throne room of God. And Father, as we think about that, it uh, certainly causes us to pause amid all the demands of life and I gotta get this done, I gotta do this and I gotta do that and of family and of career and of just what it means to live today. Father, when we truly take that to heart, it, it changes things in us. Father, I pray that the power of the resurrection would bring about change in us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that's never put their faith and trust in you, that they would simply acknowledge that you are God and that right now, as they sit in the pew, that they would confess their sins to you and they would ask you to come and take control of their life. And Lord, as we do that, we know from what we've talked about, not only do you give us a sense of identity, not only do you give us a greater sense of purpose about our lives, but there's a destiny there that we have the promise that we will be with you when we draw our last breath. Father, thank you for the promises that are within your word. Thank you that you always keep your promises. We love you, Lord. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and uh, you've prayed a prayer to accept Christ, or maybe you would like for me to pray with you and talk with you more about what that means, I would be more than honored to do that during this time of invitation. If you're here today and desire church membership, would also love to talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and allow the Lord to lead as we stand and as we sing hymn number 214, The Day of Resurrection. Let's sing together.
Christmas services here at Bowling Springs Baptist is if you are there today and you know the Hallelujah Chorus and you would love to sing as a part of this, you are welcome to come and join the choir at this time. And this will be our benediction. God bless you and happy Easter.